Good morning, you. Welcome to the papers. It's Friday, the 15th of December, 2023. It's a lovely, mild morning here in Salford. Mild. Mild is good. It is kind of mild. And yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the weekend. Looking forward to the day. Stay in the present. Live. Remain in the present. I've been advised to do that more than once. Now, the papers. Let's straight to the front pages. Let's go straight to the front pages. The Metro. Kidnap Alex Walks Free. You may have come across this yesterday. A number of papers leading with, on the front page, the discovery of a missing lad called Alex Batty in France. He's 17 years of age. And he was last seen six years ago when his mum and his grandfather none of whom had legal guardianship of him, took him on holiday to Spain and then absconded, hadn't been heard from since. His grandmother was his legal guardian and apparently his mother and grandfather took him to Spain and then didn't return him. They went to France apparently and they lived in a apparently a spiritual community. Isn't that interesting? The papers... A lot of them going with this today. Uh, the Daily Mirror, again, lost Brit found after six years. He says he was kidnapped by mum and taken to Spanish commune, says the Mirror. Others are saying it was in France. Was it on the border between Spain and France? I only got the headlines of this yesterday. I didn't really look into it. He's 17 now. I suppose he gets to determine or he, he will will be permitted to choose where he lives. Also on the front page of the Daily Mirror is a photograph of Rebecca Welch. Rebecca is a referee and she will take charge this Christmas of Fulham against Burnley in the Premier League here in the UK, in in England. And that will mean she will be the first woman in history to referee a Premier League game. And listen to this baldy gammon. Take it from me. And you know I'd be no virtue signaller at all. She's there on merit. She's a bloody good referee. She's worked her way up. I think she's 40 and she's been refereeing since she was 29. And she's worked her way through the game. She's been refereeing in the championship, which is the league below the Premier League. And she's made the jump now. She's been promoted. And she's part of a group of referees, all of whom are men. One black man, he's also going to referee a game in the Premier League. He'll be the first black referee for 15 years. But they're a development group of referees and they're good and she's very good and she's there on merit. Rebecca Welch. I think she's a Geordie. She sounded very Geordie when I heard her do an interview. She's also very modest and very unfussy. A little bit embarrassed about the attention. Kind of like, go away, will you? I'm a referee. I'm here to referee games. Good for her. Well done. The Daily Mail. Where's Alex been for the last six years? That's the question. Some of the newspapers are reporting that he wouldn't tell the police. And see, I got the story wrong. He was found in France. He made a desperate bid for freedom across the Pyrenees. That's right. So he was in some sort of commune in Spain after mum and granddad had taken him on holiday and then not returned him to his grandmother. Yeah, it's all very weird. And uh, some of the papers are saying that he wouldn't tell the police where his mother is. He wouldn't say, good man, don't break, Alex. (laughs) He's 17 now. 
The photographs in the papers are of him aged 11. The Daily Express goes with a story the papers are covering and the broadcast media is covering, and that's Gaynor Lord. She's a mother of three who's been missing since this day last week. She went missing in Norwich. And I haven't really been following it. It's a missing person. It's a tragic thing, but it's not really one the Richie Allen show gets into. Mystery phone calls from missing gainer to friend. How in this day and age, when we're so surveilled, there's so much surveillance, how is it possible that they cannot trace the whereabouts of this woman? The Daily Telegraph front page, Hamas plot to kill Jews in Europe foiled. Hamas plot to kill Jews in Europe foiled. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. The Telegraph has a lovely photograph of Emma Stone, the actress. Has she won an Oscar? I nearly said Oscar-winning actress. She's a good actress, Emma Stone. Does a lot of serious roles, Emma Stone. And she mixes up the series with the action and adventure. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm a bit bunged up this morning. So that's um, the Telegraph. The Times, photograph of young Alex Batty. Pro-vaping campaign funded by Big Tobacco is the headline on the front page of the Times. It, uh, it claims the tobacco companies are funding, have funded, scientific papers on vaping that play down the risks to children in a secretive lobbying campaign to boost e-cigarette sales and obstruct public health measures. Well, you could have knocked me down with a feather. Wow. Another startling news today is Friday. So the tobacco companies are funding and lobbying scientists to create papers and to make claims that, you know, certain products are safe and are not risky to children. Again, please, as if that's surprising. The Guardian, we will stand until the end on the front line in Ukraine. And that's about the situation in Ukraine, in East Ukraine. The iPaper goes with interest rates may have to rise next year, warns the Bank of England. Jesus Christ, if that's the case. Talk about the cost of living being very difficult for many people now. If interest rates rates even rise higher still, well, it'll be catastrophic for people, won't it, next year and beyond. But then, some of us would argue, that's the whole point of it. The Sun leads with a photograph of a guy called Ben Shepherd and a woman called Kat Dealey. They are British television presenters and apparently they have signed or are about to sign a big money deal to become the faces of ITV's This Morning programme, which was in the news a lot this year after Philip Schofield stepped away from it. He presented it for a long time with a woman called Holly Willoughby. The Daily Star, your sofa is making you thick, is the headline. And it has a photograph of the cast of the royal family, Ricky Tomlinson and Caroline Ahern and Ralph Little and I can't remember the rest of them, Sue, Sue something or other. The great, uh, the, 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 the great sitcom, The Royal Family. Your sofa is making you thick. So what is it about? Does it mean that lounging in front of the TV is making you sick? Well, no, no. Apparently, the chemicals in sofas could be having a detrimental impact on people's IQs. Sofas are packed full of chemicals, says the Daily Star. 
the uh, it says you'd better be sitting down for this news. Your sofa is making you thick. Mm. Television programs are making people thick, or at least stagnating people's brains. No doubt about that. Let's go inside the Telegraph then. Hamas plot to attack Jews across Europe is foiled by police. Now, I do not believe this. Now, I, I, I would have people, of course I would, who do not like me and who do not like the Richie Allen show. Fair enough. Very subjective radio shows and TV shows. And some Zionists in this country would say that I've got an anti-Israeli bias ingrained in me. Deep-rooted anti-Israeli bias. Now, that's, you know, fair enough if people think that. What I do is from time to time, I check that. I have a look at it. Am I, am I coming at this situation, this this uh, this mess in Gaza? It's more than a mess. A mess downplays what it is. This genocide. Do I come at it with a bias that is built in? So I check this. I look at it. I scrutinise myself, because I I try to be as fair as I can, no matter what it is I'm covering, whatever the topic. Right. So I look at it, and I, and I, I can say with all honesty, the answer is no, no. I do not believe that Hamas is plotting to attack Jews in Europe. And I'll tell you why I do not believe this. Because this is a standard procedure for an occupying force or a murderous, brutal force. What we're seeing in Gaza is the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians, the displacement of them forcibly out of the country and the murder of them as they flee by the Israeli Defence Force. And it is the oldest trick in the book for the, for the brutal um, perpetrator of a crime or crimes to blame the victim and to somehow dehumanise the victim in, in order to soften somehow the, the enormity of what it is the, the perpetrator is doing. You get what I'm saying? So the Israeli government is murdering, is genociding, is ethnic cleansing the Palestinians. So we got a lot of that nonsense, beheading babies, raping women, no evidence to support it. Now we're hearing, as Israel continues to genocide the Palestinians, now we're hearing that Hamas is plotting to kill Jewish people in Europe and intelligence agencies in Germany and in Denmark have filed such a plot. Problem is they offer no evidence whatsoever. And when they're asked to provide evidence of this, they give you the standard line, well, we can't do that because we would be compromising ongoing operations. So it's believe us when we tell you that we filed a plot. This has happened in the UK for years. For years. They justify their existence. GCHQ, MI6, MI5 particularly. We filed a plot. We kept you safe. We filed an Islamist plot in London last week. Did you? Any, any, any details for us there, have you? No. No, we don't. Shut up and take it that we're keeping you safe. So I don't believe this. Doesn't mean it's not true, by the way. Just because I don't believe it, it might be true. Hamas might be plotting to kill Jewish people in Europe, but I doubt it. I think Hamas is rather preoccupied at the moment. I don't know about you, but that's what, what I would say. And this seems to me like it's propaganda. So that's how I take it. But as I said, it doesn't mean that it isn't true. It's just that I choose not to believe it. And I have checked my anti-Israeli bias. Okay. The Guardian. Rishi Sunak considers curbing social media use for under-16s. What's it about? Well, the government is looking at limiting social media access for teenagers under 16 to protect them from online harm, with reports suggesting a potential ban is on the cards. The government is considering further action despite bringing in the Online Safety Act, 
which requires social media platforms to shield children from harmful content or face fines of up to 10% of a company's global revenue. A consultation would be launched in the new year um, to explore the risks that children are exposed to while using social media. Now, the Molly Rose Foundation is a charity set up by the family of Molly Russell, uh, who sadly killed herself aged 14 after viewing harmful content on Instagram and Pinterest, said the emphasis of any review should be on giving more power to the communications watchdog Ofcom. And what this is about, dear listener, is ultimately about censorship, in my opinion. It isn't really about protecting children. Governments don't give a damn about children or protecting them. This is about giving power to the watchdog Ofcom to remove content which it says is harmful. And they will use children as a prop, right, by way of saying this is harmful, in order to remove content from everybody's view. It's not just children they want to protect from the so-called harmful content. It's wider society. And harmful content is usually something they don't want you knowing about. And that's my opinion. Sounds very simplistic, but I do get into it in greater detail in the other show. They don't care about children. Speaking of Israel, this is interesting. In the Times, David Cameron, this is the headline, David Cameron, extremist Israeli settlers not welcome in the UK. Really? Uh, Britain will impose a travel ban on Israeli settlers who commit violence against Palestinians in a sign of growing Western frustration with Benjamin Netanyahu's government. Lord Cameron of Chipping Norton, Jesus, according to the Times, Lord Cameron of Chipping Norton, denounced Israeli extremists who commit intimidating acts and said they would be barred from the UK. Extremist settlers, by targeting and killing Palestinian civilians, are undermining security and stability for both Israelis and Palestinians, Cameron said. Israel must take stronger action to stop settler violence and hold the perpetrators accountable. About 270 Palestinians have been killed by either the Israeli Defence Forces or extremist Israeli settlers in the West Bank since October 7th, and the attacks by Hamas. The United States says the Times introduced a similar travel ban on Israeli settlers at the beginning of this month, as patients wear thin in Western capitals over Netanyahu's accommodation of far-right Israeli politicians. I believe it when I see it. Also in the Times, death penalty more likely for dodgy-looking men. This is mental, really. Murderers who look untrustworthy get harsher sentences, a study has found. The results imply that facial stereotypes could be leading to hidden biases across the criminal justice system. Isn't that interesting? And the scientists behind the study have said that you could counteract this by training jurors to decouple someone's appearance from their intuition about behaviour. This study happened in the United States. It took advantage of a database containing mugshots of 400 men convicted of first-degree murder, half of whom had been given life sentences and half who were sentenced to death. More than a 1,000 volunteers were asked to judge the trustworthiness of the men's faces without knowing anything about the men's fates. When the scientists looked at the results, they found the less trustworthy faces you know, from men with downturned lips, for example, and angry eyebrows, belonged to men who were more likely to have been executed. Imagine that. So when it comes to the sentencing phase, so somebody's been found guilty of murder, 
and the jury comes to the sentencing phase, they look at the man in question, and if he looks a bit untrustworthy, he's more likely to receive the death penalty. That is kind of interesting, actually, when you think about it. That's in the Times. It is, by the way, as I do this, it's now three minutes past seven in the morning. Yes, it is. On this, the 15th day of December 2023, it's Friday. Thank heavens, it's Friday. The Mail. This made me giggle. They like a bit of sauce. In the UK, they like a bit of sauce. You know, confessions of a taxi driver. Remember that? Early 19, late 1970s, early 80s. The carry-on films, remember? We love a bit of sauce here in the UK. Headline in the mail, this made me laugh. The Sorry, a golden age of porn. A golden age of porn. Pornhub has released its global yearly report revealing the most searched fetishes of 2023. <laughs> and what were the most searched fetishes of 2023? Now, before I read the rest of the article, when it said fetishes, I thought, well, the obvious ones, leather, I thought to myself. Um, various parts of the anatomy, I thought, legs, feet, I thought. Yes, but apparently no. Users were particularly interested in mature content, with searches like Sexy Granny, MILF, DILF and Cougar all making the top spots. The adult website sifted through data from billions of visits to see what content defined the year's tastes. Finding the top category was the golden age. In general, 2023 was a breakout year for artificial intelligence and Pornhub's results show that this also extended to pornography, with searches for Android porn also popular. Dr. Laurie Batito of the Sexual Wellness Centre. We better get her on the Richie Allen Show. Hello, Laurie. It is human nature to be curious about the extraordinary. When it comes to sex, it's no different. We are all voyeurs to some degree, and we want to see the extremes, what we generally don't have access to in real life. After elderly porn, the second most popular category was super size. Isn't that interesting? And in the US, searches for big ass, big ass, and BBC, BBC is big black, and then think a slang term for the male anatomy, were also very popular. Very interesting. Yes, that's good because looking for elderly porn, it, it beats a lot of the front page, you know, homepage porn that you see on pornographic websites, which is often these days very, very violent uh, pornography. We talked about this during the phone-in last night on the Richie Allen Show. Interesting. So the mirror then, I love these stories. You see, I've done everything in radio. I've done breakfast radio. I've done mid-morning radio. I've presented it. I've produced it. So I love this shit. Stunned mum spots Margaret Thatcher's face burnt into her ironing board. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this shit. Man discovers, man discovers Elvis's face on a Pringle. I love this. Great stuff. And mum was amazed when she spotted the iron lady herself staring out from the, from the ironing board. Brilliant. Part-time teaching assistant Karen Schmidt posted the item on Facebook for sale when several people pointed out a mark on its multicoloured cover resembled former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's face. The £5 listing is still live, 
but Karen, 63, has changed her mind about selling the metre-long board and now wants it as a keepsake, as it had belonged to her late mum, who she believed would have loved the resemblance with Thatcher, who earned the nickname Iron Lady for her leadership style. Karen said, I was clearing stuff out. I don't like anything to go to waste. People said they could see a face in it. One person said it was the Queen. Then the Thatcher comments started coming through. People said it was the Iron Lady. It's not on sale anymore. I've kept it because it's so funny. My mum would have loved it. The mirror goes on to say, Thatcher died in 2013, divisive figure for millions of Brits, blah, blah, blah. Among those who are not a fan of the former Tory leader was Karen herself, who added, she wasn't for me. That's in the Daily Mirror today. Brilliant. The time is seven minutes past seven as I record this. And this is a very interesting and a very sad story. Sad. It's sad, maybe not very sad, but sad. It's, it's an opinion piece in The Sun by Leo McKinstry. Leo McKinstry. And the headline accompanying the opinion piece is Nanny State Meddlers Should Not Ban Care Home Residents From Drinking. It's a very well-written opinion piece by McKinstry. He writes about Herbert, Herbert Sutcliffe, who was one of the greatest English cricketers of all time. Great batsman. And um, he spent his final years in a nursing home in Yorkshire. And he liked a bit of gin, right? But he couldn't have a gin because the staff at the Yorkshire nursing home where the cricket great spent his final years and banned him from having it for no good reason. And I'm going to read you from McKinstry's piece. As Don Mosey, the cricket commentator and Sutcliffe's friend recalled, it became necessary to smuggle the stuff past the Praetorian Guard of nurses, sisters and matrons who became expert at spotting the gin smugglers. On one occasion, Mosey tried to sneak in a bottle of Gordon's hidden in a hold-all covered with a tape recorder. The staff headed me off before I could start up the stairs to his home, to his room, searched out the gin and confiscated it. Mosey was sheepish, sheepish, sheepish even as he entered Sutcliffe's room. You've let those bloody awful creatures take it, haven't you? Sutcliffe said angrily, sitting upright in his wheelchair. Uh, the great cricketer was fully justified in feeling aggrieved, writes McKinstry. What right did the management have to deprive him of a creature comfort he adored, especially when the physical horizons of his life were now so severely restricted by his disability? They said that gin was not good for him. But from what were they trying to protect him, given he was already in his 80s? There was nothing compassionate about the prohibition on, on alcohol. On the contrary, it was cruelty dressed up as concern for safety. And he writes McKinstry about the reality of this, highlighted yesterday in the publication of a new study carried out by the Health Watchdog the Care Quality Commission in partnership with the University of Bedfordshire. It found that a quarter of homes took a risk-averse approach and placed disproportionate restrictions on residents' drinking. So in the name of safety, these unlucky clients, clients as they are, are being treated as too irresponsible to make their own decisions. As the report puts it, some staff have become paternalistic and were wrapping people in cotton wool by not allowing them to drink. This isn't protection, it is punishment, writes Leo McKinstry. Why should people in the twilight of their lives be deprived of something 
is that it's given so much joy to mankind since the dawn of time. In the words of Hollywood comedian W.C. Fields, a woman drove me to drink and I never had the chance to thank her. That's right. Particularly at Christmas, alcohol is the vital lubricant for the festive season. Those whose condition requires them to be looked after should not be isolated further by arbitrary blanket bans. Dr. Sarah Wad, one of the report's authors, says people living in care homes should be supported to have as much choice and control over their lives as possible. It is important to remember that just as health has a value, so too does pleasure. Her report confirms the findings of other recent surveys, like one carried out in 2020, which revealed that one-fifth of care staff say residents are banned from drinking in their homes. And he goes on to say that there's an infantilization going on, a patronising spirit that can arise from the very nature of care work, where residents, because of their frailty or vulnerability, come to be seen as incapable of taking responsibility. It's an excellent piece by by Leo McKinstry in The Sun, and it's something I wouldn't have been aware of. You know, absolutely right. So if you've got an elderly resident in a care home, you might want to know about that. They might want a drink. They might want a little whiskey or a little brandy or a, or a sherry over the Christmas, and they should bloody well have it. Absolutely spot on. Is there anything else um, I can tell you about this morning? Is there anything on the BBC News website? Not a lot, really. Uh, there's an awful story about a channel crossing and about somebody dying, having um, fallen from a from a raft on uh, just off the French coast. That's horrible, that. Um, what else is there? Not a lot, really. I, I think I can probably take my, my leave of you this Friday. Indeed, I will. Right, here we go. And the next time you can hear me, if you choose to hear me, is I'll be live on Sunday morning with Sunday Morning Melodies, which, which starts, which begins at 10 o'clock UK time. It's a music programme, little bit of nostalgia. I love it, so join me, if you can, on Sunday. Failing that, The Richie Allen Show will return. The Richie Allen Show will be back on air, of course, this coming Monday at 5 o'clock UK time. And it's the final week of the year, of course. It'll be the last few days of uh, The Richie Allen Show for 2023. So in the meantime, I'd like to wish you to have a fantastic weekend. Have a wonderful weekend. Do something nice. Get out and about if the weather permits it. And thank you for listening to the papers and thank you for sharing it on your social media pages. So until Sunday then, from your BBG, it is bye for now. Take care. Bye. Bye.